Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Increase of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor. Or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at increaseofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Welcome to the 35th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have Bo Kennedy from the Bump Podcast. How's it going, man? I'm doing good, Shane. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I appreciate it. I know the, the scheduling wasn't perfect, but we made it. Finally made it, yeah. We had a couple, uh, what was it, three different mix arounds with schedules before we finally oh, made yeah. this happen? Yeah, I'd say so. Three. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Well, glad it happened, and it happened when it did for a reason. So hopefully we can have an awesome conversation still. That's right. That's right. So I guess to get going a little bit, uh, for people that don't know about your podcast, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, the Bump Podcast. The uh, The word bump is an acronym. It stands for the Believers of the Unexplained Monsters and Paranormal. Um, I figured that would just be a fun way to, to play it, you know, like bump in the night or whatever else, you know, it's just the wordplay worked for me at the time. So, and it was the, it's the same name that I used for an old paranormal investigation team that I used to kind of do back when I was in the air force. So I, the name stuck, I just went with it. Um, what it is, it's a, uh, it's a weekly show and every episode I bring a, a guest on that has had, you know, an eye to eye encounter with something they can't explain or an experience that they, you know, they can't just write off as, you know, something, something normal. Um, we have alien abductions on there, Bigfoot encounters, um, angels, demons, miracles, uh, of course, tons of Bigfoot stuff. Um, it's just all around a fun show to do. And every week we just, we, well, they're, they're sharing their stories with me, but I'm compiling the stuff, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see what kind of similarities they are, um, see what I've heard before, see, you know, what connects and where, and to see what's, you know, what's going on out there. 
I love it, dude. I listen to your show all the time, actually. I love the whole different aspects of different cryptids and hearing different stories about different cryptids and the firsthand mm-hmm. accounts. I appreciate that. So I guess uh, another good question would be, what are some of the best stories that you've heard on your show that you feel have the most proof behind them? Okay. Uh, well, that's a tough question. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, my, my biggest show so far, and it's probably because I talked about it um, on Wes Garmer's show. You know, I don't know if you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles or not, but he's like the, the biggest show out there as far as, you know, Bigfoot stuff goes. But um, it was one of my first episodes. It's like episode five or eight or something like that. Um, it was it's called Terror in the Ozarks. And it was about a guy who was hiking through the Ozark Mountains with a, a group of friends and family. He decided to set up a hammock. And when he did that night and uh, like an adolescent Bigfoot came into their camp and just raised Cain, man. Um, it stoked up their fire through rocks, went over to him in the hammock, started screaming at him. Other, the other people in the camp, they saw this all happening. Uh, the weird thing was, is when it went over to him and screamed in his face, nobody else in the camp reported hearing it screaming. They saw it go over there, but they didn't hear anything. So it's kind of like a personal experience for him. Um, I kind of leaned into the whole telepath you know, mind speak kind of aspect of Bigfoot that, you know, some people report. That was a pretty good episode. Um, One of the most impactful episodes was an alien abduction episode that I did. Uh, Have you seen Unsolved Mysteries, the reboot that they did? Yeah. It was on Netflix. Okay. Well, they did an, an abduction episode and there was a lady on there. Her name is Melanie Kirchdorfer. She was from uh, New England, like Massachusetts. And the only time she had ever spoken about this was on their show. And she she hadn't spoken about it since. But I called her and I, I managed to get a hold of her, convinced her to come on my podcast. And she shared the story. And, you know, she's like crying while she's explaining everything. And she's like, she's reliving all this stuff. And it was really moving to have her, you know, come on and talk about that. So that, that one meant a lot. Um. I guess just kind of round things off to make it a good mix. There was a, a demon story that a guy told me it's called that episode. I called it demon in the bedroom and it was about his wife had what he thought was a, uh, about with sleep paralysis. And he, he rolled over there to kind of wake her up and stir her out of it. And when he did this black mask lifted off of her, and went down to the foot of the bed and he could see this, you know, this crazy smiling demonic face. And, you know, he uh, basically commanded it to leave in the name of Jesus. And it just faded like back into the wall and went up through the ceiling. And, uh, it, you know, it, that story went on and there's, there's reasons behind why all that stuff happened. It, it's, it was a great episode. It was, oh yeah. It uh, sounds like it. Scary. <laughs> it was a scary <laughs> episode. <laughs> Uh, did you have any personal experiences that got you to start wanting to uh, co- start collecting these stories? Uh, yeah, I guess you know, my, my whole life, it's just been like uh, the, you know, the paranormal stuff is real. You know, I, I grew up in a haunted house. It wasn't anything scary. Um, it was just, you know, little incidents happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, my mom was all, all in on that kind of stuff. And then my dad, he was in the air force. He worked for the NSA for a while. 
And so the, the whole alien side of it just seemed like everybody should believe in aliens. You know, I, I didn't see what the, the problem was. And, you know, I've, I've had a UFO sighting. Um, I was on Finding Bigfoot for a, what they call a Class B experience. You know, I didn't see one visually, but there was some weird stuff that happened in the woods. Um, yeah, just uh, a lot of weird all, <laughs> all my life, man. But uh, nothing to the extent of some of these stories that I've collected over over the last couple of years. It seemed like they're like one hit experiences where a lot of people will experience things throughout their life, but they'll be kind of small scale. But it seems like a lot of the people that experience something big, it kind of happens like once and then they don't end up having another experience with it again. Right. Yeah. And it also what I've noticed is if something happens to you when you're young, like if you have an experience at a young age before you know, you're filled with disbelief by the world or whatever, you tend to have experiences throughout your life. Um, it, it's not always true, you know, I guess, but it just seems to be like, it's almost like if something gets activated, you know, like you're more aware than the average person or, or maybe once you've experienced it and you're still young enough to, to believe it, yeah, it opens you up, you know, for the rest of your life to, to perceive these things. It's almost like a calling. I wonder if it's almost like a sonar to these things where they just know that you're somebody that can see them. So they're more, they more so want to show themselves to you. Maybe. Yeah, that might be it too. So considering you've heard so many different stories, what are some, uh, some creatures or cryptids that people probably haven't heard of that you've heard stories about? Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a West Virginia thing. You know, I'm, I'm over here in the Appalachian mountains um sheep squatch have you got have you ever heard of a sheep squatch no i have not <laughs> okay <laughs> it's kind of like a bigfoot but it's uh it's big and white has horns um sometimes they call it the white thing and it, it can be like it kind of morphs from you know from one tail to the next it'll be like this big white muscular thing barely has a head you know like the size of a refrigerator in the woods um you know to it looking like a a Bigfoot had a baby with a sheep, you know, and everything in between, you know, it's just kind of a weird one. That does um, sound really weird. Never heard of that before. <laughs> you know, we had the Flatwoods monster too, but it kind of got world famous from a video game. I don't even know the name of the video game, to be honest with you. Fallout. That's it. Fallout. Ooh. Um, Fallout 76. The uh, part of the map, I guess, went over, our area here of West Virginia and the Flatwoods monster was on there. You know, the, the, the Braxy, you know, some people call it. I don't know if you've heard of that one or not. No, I haven't. I'm over from in Michigan. So I haven't heard of a lot of these ones. We have a lot of lake, oh, wow. lake monsters over here. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. I might have maybe there's a, a picture back here of the Flatwoods monster. Um, it looks like a, a spade on the top and it looks like it's wearing a skirt in the photograph. But what, it, what it was is back in the fifties, this, uh, this group of kids were outside playing ball or whatever. And they see this fireball in the sky come through and crash on this mountain. So being a bunch of kids, they decided they're going to go up and check it out. Um, they thought it was a meteor crash, thought there might be gold in it, you know, cause it's supposed to be all kinds of rare earth minerals and stuff on these meteors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they gather up a couple other people. I think one of their moms join in and they run up there on this hillside and check it out. And the dog goes with them. 
And when they get up there, there's this creature. It's like 10 or 12 feet tall. Um, has this spade-shaped head kind of floating off the ground. Weird fog, uh, odd stench, oily stuff on the ground. Uh, what looks like must be a, like a spaceship or whatever. It's so smoldering over there like it crashed. It's got these big glowing eyes. And uh, every kid saw it. They freaked out. They took off. Uh, I think the dog got sick later from, you know, the, the fumes that it was giving off. Hmm. Um, Project Blue Book come out there to try to debunk it. Said that it was an owl in a tree. <laughs> um, Why is it always owls for aliens? I swear. That's, it's always whether know, balloons man. or owls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, but it, was, it was a big enough deal that the National Guard came out there and take take the whole scene out. So something was going on. Um, a couple of days before that, there was other UFO sightings. You know, supposedly one crashed in a town near there. Um, it was a big UFO flap. So, yeah, that's a couple of them that, you know, that's, that's our local legends that, you know, a lot of people haven't heard. So, yeah, I've never heard of those ones. It's kind of weird that uh, unless it's a monster that or a cryptid that fits in with like the standard known cryptids, it doesn't right. seem to get across the country, you know? Right. Yeah. Like everybody's heard of Mothman. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, that's that's like West Virginia's claim on cryptids. But yeah, there's there's like four or five of them over here, I guess. I'd say our main one, as far as Michigan goes, is probably the dog man. But he only pops up every 10 years, ending with seven, from what I've heard, as far as like the legends go. Really? So kind of links into it could be, possibly be more of an interdimensional thing that maybe it's like a time rift and he appears at this these certain times, you know? Right. Yeah. It's almost like the uh, Jeepers Creepers movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Only, yeah, so many years. And then uh, what's the other one? We got uh, Sasquatch that's in the Upper Peninsula. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other common one is, uh, crap, I forgot what it's called. It's a, it's a type of lake monster that goes back to like Native American legends where it's kind of described as like a water panther. I forgot what the name is offhand, though. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it just now. I, I, I've heard it called the water panther. Yeah, I think there, I swear that there's like an actual name for it. But yeah, it's described yeah. as water panther. But that's probably like a very straightforward description and a good way right. to describe it but i believe that's uh by lake superior so it should be more towards the upper peninsula and then we also have it's called like the rouge nymph or something like that it's like a little demon that pops up in detroit um around when bad things happen so supposedly it popped up before the detroit fires uh before the riots uh when the company cadillac went bankrupt for a short period of time like we got yeah. a bunch of like little ones and I've been starting to kind of venture into them a little bit more and getting some books about them. So hopefully I can give yeah. it a little bit more information on them soon. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That, that reminded me, I do have one more. I had never heard of it before. Um, I had a guy come on my show to talk about uh, paranormal investigations. You know, he was a ghost hunter. He hit this antique store in Beckley, West Virginia. And uh, the, school, the store, I think it was called the Deep End. Not because I, I'll share that because people can go here and check this thing out. Um, it was called that because it was built over like this old Olympic sized swimming, swimming pool, you know? So this, the antique store is built over the deep end of the pool. Anyway, um, he's going through here and he's taking out all these oddities. This guy, this curator of the antique store had a lot of objects that he claimed were, you know, cursed objects like revolvers that had been involved in a murder or, you know, this knife that this woman used to, to cut her husband with. And this is this weird stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And he uh, 
the curator asked the paranormal investigator if he wanted to check out his friend in the back. Um, it's called an ovenick. Ovenick. An ovenick. Hmm. So, long story short, he goes back there into like this storage area, and there's this creature that he swore was he actually got to see visually with his own eyes. Um, at first, he saw it through the reflection of a mirror behind him. It was this little creature. He said it looks like a mix between a monkey and a cat. And it's like 18, 20 inches tall. Um, has hands like a monkey, more feline-looking features. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like, dropped down off this doorway and ran underneath, like, an old um, turn-of-the-century buffet. So they go down there, and he's, you know, the curator's trying to get it to come out. It, it does, and it darts into another room. He follows it in there, gets a full face-to-face encounter of this thing, and then it vanishes in front of him. Super crazy. Super crazy. I had never heard anything like that before. This guy swears it's like a physical, you-can-see-it creature. Told me where to go to find it, you know. <laughs> so I, I have not went out there yet because, you know, if it's a demon, I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, for those that are curious enough, there's an Ovenick in Beckley, West Virginia. It sounds really interesting. It's like I like the little ones because it's almost like they can hide within closer areas where it's like a Bigfoot has to be so far secluded into the woods. But small things like that could be all around us and we don't necessarily know it, especially if there's wooded areas around us. Yeah, man. Yeah, this thing is it's nuts. I think it comes from like Germany or something like that. I forget the whole story now, but it's it's on my show. You can you can scroll through there. The, t- the show is called The Ovenick, so you'll see it. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to look that up. Uh, I'm going to listen to that at work tomorrow for sure. So <laughs> considering that you said that you used to do some paranormal investigations, uh, I, I got to ask, what's what's your weirdest thing that you experienced doing that? Um, Mine were real mundane, you know, but it was back in the, the days of Ghost Hunters when it was first, you know, a thing, you know, mm. 2007, 2008. Uh, me and somebody was just go out. We had a night vision camera, the little thermometer, you know, they could, they could read the air temperature. I had an EVP recorder and, uh, you know, I would catch stuff like little glimmers of light over top of certain tombstones. And when I'd go over there, the, the person laying there was the same age as somebody in my crew, you know, little stuff like that, you know, like gee whiz stuff, nothing big. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to my buddy's house in Michigan. As a matter of fact, he lived in Lansing at the time. And, uh, you know, he, he said that this place he was living in was haunted and he wanted me to come up there and we did some stupid stuff. You know, I, I mixed copious amounts of alcohol with ghost hunting and <laughs> we go down to his basement and, uh, it was new year's of 2010. I remember when it was, we go down into his basement and, we were uh, reading the air temperature and everywhere around me for whatever reason was like eight or nine degrees colder than the other areas of the room. And if I would walk that air temperature would drop, you know, accordingly to wherever I walked to. So being an idiot, I told whatever was there that if it needed more energy to manifest or whatever else to use me, because (laughs) I thought I was tough. You know, I was uh, like, one month out of the air force. I thought I was, you know, this big tough guy. It's that liquid courage too. (laughs) Oh yeah. It was plenty of that. Like a whole fifth of crack and rum or something. Uh, So not much happened. 
you know, I, I went back upstairs and we're sitting there and it just like, you know, I was, uh, I hate to say it, but I was an absolute alcoholic at the time. So I wasn't that drunk. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was used to it, you know, but we're sitting there and we're having conversations. This is like an hour or so goes by and it's like the walls were closing in on me. Man. Um, I didn't know if I was passing out or if I was fainting or I was about to die. You know, I just felt horrible. And I told him I had to go to bed. I went there and laid down, woke up a few hours later and uh, actually asked him if he would take me to the clinic. Um, being broke and fresh out the military, me and him both, they wouldn't see me at the clinic unless I paid him like $75 cash, but they did take my blood pressure. <laughs> and <laughs> when they did, it was like 180 over 120, you know, it was super high levels. And uh, I started getting real anxious and real paranoid and stuff. And that anxiety stuck with me for years. Like, I don't know if something attached itself to me, but I developed like a, a real high anxiety for years after that. Like, it's weird. It, it almost felt like I had a curse. It's almost like and, um, maybe it's because you gave it permission so that yeah. it was able to attach itself to you just off of that. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I was in a dark, I was in a dark spot at the time anyway, you know, so I would, evil presences, you know, they, they like to attach to those kind of you know, people in that kind of situation. Mm. So when you're at your low, you're vulnerable and, you know, evil likes to feed off the negativity. And I was, I was chock full of that. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think I did, say. uh, uh, opened the door to it and, uh, it, it hounded me for a long time, man. How did you end up getting rid of it? Um, you know, I think honestly, I eventually turned to prayer. Um, it was probably a combination of things. You know, I don't know if it only had, if it was only allowed to be on me for so long, mm -hmm. but, uh, I definitely, I got more faithful, you know, um, I've tried to rebuke things for myself before. So I tried that and it just seemed like, you know, it didn't go off like a switch. It didn't just disappear. But it, it eventually just kind of faded out, like it lost its steam and didn't get what it wanted, I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I got to ask also, uh, did you come from a religious background or did you find religion after having certain experiences happen to you through your life? Well, um, I was always around it. You know, I, I wasn't like uh, super religious or anything. I was raised, I guess you'd say Catholic. Um, my dad's side of the family was Catholic. So my only experience with church or Christianity or anything like that um, up through my teenage years was Catholicism. You know, we would go every other weekend or once a month or whatever to church. Um, I was baptized into Catholic church as a baby. So I was, I was familiar with it through that. But once I got older, once I moved out on my own, I was about 19, 20, something like that. Um, I, I got into a Protestant church with my grandmother on my mom's side. Mm -hmm. and uh just really got involved then um i got you know heavily involved i got you know saved and baptized and uh i was a, a good faithful young man until i joined the military and from about 23 to 29 i did not live a very christian life um i'd say my prayers at night in case i you know guess i messed up too bad but I, I lived for the world, man. I, I did everything you could imagine. 
not not in a Christian mindset. And I wasn't in that mindset until probably about four or five years ago. I, I started coming back to it. And, uh, you know, the last three or four, you know, I've really found my faith and uh, rebuilt my relationship with God. So it's been a journey. Uh, so uh, considering your different experiences and research, too, uh, how, how would you say that uh, cryptids fit into, like, your religion? Like, where do you believe that they came from? Yeah, man. Um, I think there's plenty of room for it. Uh, I think everything's connected. When I first started doing the show about two three years ago, um, when I was starting to think about doing the show, and I was just into podcasts, I thought Bigfoot was easy. You know, it's, it's a Gigantopithecus. You know, it's like a big natural beast that you know science hasn't caught up with to explain yet and i thought aliens were you know from other planets they were bending time and space and maybe they had a, a bunker underground or under, under the oceans or something like that but once i start looking at things in a supernatural worldview because if you read the bible um for what it is, if you believe the Bible is true, everything in there is supernatural. Um, you got guys walking on water, raising the dead. Uh, you have angels flying around. You got demons, uh, you know, inhabiting people's bodies. Uh, curses, miracles. It's just, it's full of this supernatural uh, world. So I start entertaining things you know, starting to look at things a little bit differently. And for me, at this time, you know, my, my view may change down the road. Um, but at this time, I, I think that everything is connected. I think everything it can be brought back pretty much to the Bible. Uh, I don't know. I can, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what Bigfoot is. But I do know that there are hairy men in the Bible. <laughs> There's uh, Esau, for one. Um, he was born covered with red hair, you know, his whole body's hairy. Uh, when his brother tried to disguise himself as Esau, he, he covered himself with the hide of a young goat, you know, so he's like that hairy, you know, <laughs> so, uh, and, and the smell and all, and Esau was the man of the wild, you know, he was a hunter. He lived outside. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, pop all Bigfoot, <laughs> you know, in that way. Um, but then, you know, I talked to people, um, you know, through my show and their experiences with Sasquatch, they have mind speak, this telepathy. Uh, they get shown or told about other things. I had a lady that was, she had a relationship with a Sasquatch creature in Pennsylvania. And uh, they communicated back and forth. They, she gifted to him. She would basically like pay in tribute. She would give it gifts. You know, and that's a very biblical thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it spoke to her and told it, told her that it was uh, known as an Eliud. An Eliud, if you look that up, um, you're not going to really find it in the Bible, but you'll find it in some of the uh, um, apocryphal texts. Eliuds are mentioned there. And what it, that is, is the son of a Nephilim. So a Nephilim are the, uh, the giants, the men of renown from Genesis 6. Um, Do you also recognize the book of Enoch? Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so these Eliud, you know, the, the watchers or the, the sons of God, they, they mate with women, right? They come down, they take wives, they take women, and they populate the earth with these Nephilim to corrupt God's bloodline. It's where in seven generations, all that was left of the pure bloodline was Noah's, and that's why Noah was on the ark, okay? Um, but these Nephilim, they also have offspring because they're trying to populate the earth. Their offspring are called the Eliud. Now, this creature told her that it was an Eliud. So it tied itself to her biblically. This lady had no theological background. She was not into this kind of stuff. Jesus told, she told me what it said it was. Um, it was telling her different books to read, told her not to believe what was in the Bible, that there's a female deity, that God had a wife, and you know people were worshiping the wrong God, and it can help her to find the one true God, uh, trying to pull her away. You know, and that's to me, that sounds like something that an Eliud would actually do. You know, that you know, it's a demonic force, it's a demonic being. So I was hearing uh, some stories the other day too that uh, the angels that were trying to breed with humans and creating Nephilim, they were also trying to say that like basically they were the God and they didn't oh, want yeah. God to be recognized, of course, too. They wanted to be perceived as a God themselves. Right. And that, that's where you get the whole pantheon. Um, all the Greek gods, the Roman gods, it's these watchers, it's these it's these sons of God. It's the fallen, you know, it's the fallen angels. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you know, they're celestial beings. They're, they're bigger. They're better looking. They're smarter. They're stronger. They have abilities, you know, and they're like demigods, but to the population, they're gods. You so know? It falls so, yeah, into all the Egyptian gods too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everything. And, uh, you know, it, it ties the whole world history together, man. You know, that once you realize that it's all real, there are lowercase g gods. Um, that's why they call God, you know, God Almighty, the, the, you know, the father of Jesus, the most high. If Why would you have to say the most high if they were something else, you know, higher than us, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm There's kind of a- confused on why so many different uh, religions kind of push out the book of Enoch. I feel like it kind of explains and connects a lot of things that are very important. Like I'm in the process of reading it currently and it's kind of mind blowing hearing it now. And I'm on yeah. almost done with book two. So I'm almost finished with it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I think people push out the book of Enoch because it's hard to dispute. Maybe um, it doesn't fit the agenda. Uh, I've, I've also been told that there that it's believed that it may be a book of Jesus, you know, that he may have had his own book, um, that there may be a book of Mary Magdalene. Maybe somebody will find it in a cave one day. (laughs) Or in the Vatican. Yeah. Or in the Vatican. Yeah. It could be hidden in the library. Yeah. Uh, because you know, she, she was literate. She was his, one of his beloved followers, you know? Um, and Jesus himself was not religious. A lot of people don't, even stop to think about that he said where two or more are gathered he's with them you know you don't have to i mean it it, it's great to have a church to belong to you know for spiritual strengthening to to hear the word to build your faith but you don't have to have this institution like you have with these you know protestant church associations like you have with the vatican um all it takes is 
you know, sitting here having a conversation like we are, you know, and Jesus can be with you. And that, that takes all the, the power out of, you know, some of these institutionalized churches and who would want that, right? Yeah. See, cause I've, I've always said too, that if there's any possible place that somebody can find power they're, they're they will be willing to corrupt it. Like oh, it only yeah. takes one bad seed and then it can completely destroy a whole message of an entire organization that started off from something that was, that was good, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Especially with the Vatican. I feel like they're hiding more secrets than anywhere else in the world personally. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the Vatican, if we could get in there, it would, it would explain a lot. Um, same with, the Smithsonian Institute, I think they're hiding a bunch of secrets. Especially uh, the giant skeletons, because they bought a yeah. bunch of them, and then they all disappeared from the Smithsonian. Yep. And who were the giants? The Nephilim. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> LEU, the men of renown, the, the physical bodies that got drowned out. Um, that's See, that's another thing with the Book of Enoch, too, is that I'm surprised that it got removed, considering that it explains the reason for there being a great flood. And the Great right. Flood isn't just referenced in Christian texts. It's also referenced in things like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a Sumerian story before, you know, the Bible is even written and put together. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, they missed a spot because if you look in First Peter, I think it's chapter three, there's another reference. Um, you know, so Enoch is even referred to several times throughout the Bible. So why not just leave it in there? You know, why, why make people hunt and look for it? Like, you know, just, and it's, it's in the Ethiopian Bible. Mm-hmm. Why, why not in uh, old King James version, right? So the old King James version was a hard one. Cause it's like, there's so much conspiracy just behind that version to begin with that. Yeah. Again, it's the whole aspect that somebody who has power can try to like manipulate something for their own deeds. And it, doesn't speak for the entire religion as a whole, but it's one specific person who can change the complete course and direction of a religion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's going to be conspiracy where there's, where there's faith or where there's power, there's conspiracy, man. That's <laughs> I've also heard too, that the King's ja- King James version is also supposed to be one of the most accurate to the original text versions too. So it's kind of, kind of a hit or miss on that one too, that some people have conspiracy behind it. And then other people say that it's the most accurate depiction. Right. Um, so far, the this is just from actual literal translations. There's a version. There's a you know. There's the King James. There's the New King James. There's the ESV, and then there's one called the um, American Standard Bible, the NASB. The NASB is word for word the most literal translation because the English language is enormous. Um. There are, there's Bibles out there. I, I have one for a study Bible that takes the original Greek key and the original uh, Hebrew and translates it directly into modern English to where you're, when you're reading the Bible, it reads like you're reading modern English. It's no thee, thou, though, and thus. It's, you know, he, they, we, and us kind of thing. You say that was it, the American Standard Version? Yeah, the American Standard Bible. And it takes out all the guesswork. Um, everything's cross-referenced and stuff like that if you need it to be. Uh, it's, it's a great version, you know, but again, you have to believe, you know, you have to have the faith that this is the word of God that you're reading or you're just reading the book. You know what I mean? True. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, I'm a I'm a person that's I don't know I I've under I've entertained a lot of different concepts. So I'm in the process currently of like reading the Bible and the Book of Enoch. Um, mm-hmm. But I try to kind of stand back and see a broader perspective of things in a sense where you know, like I said, the Epic of Gilgamesh, for example. I try to like step right. back and kind of see everything as a whole because I try to find the connections between all these different like religions personally of like certain events that happened because then you can kind of get like a more wide range picture of that event for example yeah yeah absolutely that's a smart thing to do i encourage doing that uh if i could recommend two more books to you i would like to do this uh i didn't mean for this to turn into like a book review or something (laughs) no no i I post a lot of books my listeners know i'm a big book reader so i'm always pushing for my listeners to read books too because i think it's a very good habit that a lot of people have kind of pushed away from nowadays yeah Uh, well these are mega books like get ready to read okay (laughs) one is called uh supernatural and it's by dr michael heiser i don't know if you know heiser's work or not actually i was just talking to somebody the other day who was uh very into his work and we were actually talking about that whole concept of uh these fallen angels that were saying that they were other gods and then that's where the other religions were coming from yeah heiser is well versed he is a uh He's got like his doctorate in ancient Hebrew and all this stuff. I, he he knows what he's reading. And uh, the other one is Gary Wayne, uh, Genesis 6, Conspiracy. Now, Definitely. that book's about 800 pages. So it's a, it's a hard hitter, man. <laughs> Dude, I always love having big books. I got, a, I got a bookshelf that's stacked full of books, and I kind of bounced around reading different things at different times. So I'm always happy to have more books in the collection. Sweet. So yeah, those are those are two big ones right there. Uh, those are must reads. Same for all the listeners too, of course. You know, if you're interested oh, in these yeah. types of topics, go ahead and pick those books up for yourself. So, I know a couple, like a week or two ago, when we were trying to set up the show, you said that uh, you were starting to make different connections with nephilims to aliens. So I'd love to hear about that research too, of course. Yeah, well, that that might sound a little crazy to some people, um, but let's do this. All right. That's what Nephilim's this show is for. It's like the soapbox for everybody that has open-minded ideas for a bunch of open-minded listeners just to hear people out. So exactly what this show is for. All right. I hope they're really, really open-minded. <laughs> um, all right. Nephilim. I, I kind of touched on it already. What's Nephilim we're doing? Okay. Um, the Nephilim were the offspring of these watchers, these fallen angels. Okay. These sons of God. Um, the sons of God were trying to corrupt God's bloodline. You know, the Adamic bloodline. Um, That was their whole purpose, to corrupt that and to repopulate with anything outside of God's image. Now, there are multiple depictions of what angels look like, uh, different classes of angels. They're described as being wheels within wheels, um, wheels full of eyes, you know, these flying creatures. Um, of course, they'll be described having wings because they're flying around, right? And they're, they're lights. Now, go to today's time. We have these lights in the sky that I guess if there is a way to describe it, you know, using older terminology, uh, you'd have this, this saucer-shaped thing, you know, and it's spinning around. These lights would look like eyes glowing or whatever, you know, these illuminated eyes so it would look kind of like wheels within wheels spinning around it's flying so it must have wings um and then there's the the whole 
aspect of alien abductions. You know, this, this alien technology that we seem to be gleaning access to. Uh, these sons of God, you know, they had the, the sacred sciences. You know, they, were, they were way more advanced than we were. They were able to show us different types of mathematics and, and technology. Um, that's happening today. We're, we're trying to reverse engineer these UFOs or whatever we're talking to. Um, and then there's the whole hybridization that we just found out about officially through the Freedom of Information Act, that there are unexpected and unexplained pregnancies from abductees. So is there still a corruption of the blood, bloodline that's being tried today? Uh, in the Bible, in Genesis 6, it tells you that the Nephilim was on the earth in those days and after. This is the end after. So to me, I, I just think that there's a lot of a lot of similarities that need to be at least be entertained, you know, to be to be considered. Because uh if they're not Nephilim or Eliud or whatever, then they're working in tandem with that, you know. And that you know, that can go into any kind of satanic elitist cult working with these these things that they summon, you know, Aleister Crowley. Uh, the the demon that he said that he worked with looks just like a gray, you know the the drawings of it, but just like these stereotypical gray aliens. So there's there's lots of connections with evil and what these aliens are today that I did not think about a couple of years ago. Um, I thought that they were just another species of something out there, but everything's starting to get a little blurrier now. Say, I've had some connections that I've also noticed myself, and I'll have to tell you this uh, story about somebody I had on the other day who was an abductee, but yeah, one thing that I've always kind of questioned is uh, going into just like a misinterpretation of what things were on either side, um, the whole concept of like Anunnaki possibly being angels and like right. the reptilians possibly being like the demons, and then kind of going off of that, I was recently talking to a UFO abductee uh contactee however you want to word it because she's been in constant contact uh she was saying from the time she was a kid and uh she was telling me that she was basically told that these like light beings were the ones that were perceived as angels and uh i believe she, she didn't say the reptilians exactly but they would have been the ones that were perceived as as demons also so that kind of interconnection to with your story that it may just be different perspectives of the same type of beings coming from like a human's perspective versus like an extraterrestrial perspective. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and there's, there's a class of angel that is reptilian. Um, they, they break all that down. I think it's like a Raphaim, something like that. Um, when, the, when these beings are described, what they actually look like, they sound like dragons. So so, yeah, and that falls into the whole reptil or reptilian thing, too. And it's like, I've always kind of wondered, too, if it was necessarily that either one, uh, they would have theoretically, if you're going from a biblical standpoint, have been like fallen angels that tried to corrupt people or, you know, take control over the human race. And that's where you come up with like the present idea of like a reptilian. Or the other idea that I was thinking was that it's possible that uh, they were just kind of the race that was trying to bestow knowledge onto onto the human race. And we like demonized them because we were told by like God not to fall for their tricks. 
And uh, it's conventionally one of those things where maybe they thought they were doing something good, but by the end they were like, all right, you guys want to perceive us as the bad guys, we'll be the bad guys. And we're, we're going to try to find a way to control all of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, all entertaining theories. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just even within the community too, there's like the people that believe reptilians are an actual race. And then there's people that just use it as a metaphor for like cold blooded humans, you know? Right. Yeah. Like lizard brain people. Yeah. Exactly. And a lot of those people believe that they came from uh, like special bloodlines. So even going off that, that could fall back into the whole Nephilim idea too. Cause yep. it's like and all it this does. stuff's connected. <laughs> it, it, everything's connected, man. And everything's real, you know, and it just depends on, you know, which side you, you agree with, you know, <laughs> do you believe that, you know, God is God or that you know, God is not, you know, because there's, there's a whole, there's a whole other aspect out there that, you know, the Luciferian aspect, that God's the, really the bad guy, you know, but I think that's what, you know, me personally being a Christian, I think that's what the deceiver would want you to think because he don't want you to, it's not that you have to believe in, you know, any kind of satanic thing or Luciferian thing. It's just that you don't believe in God. That's the whole goal. You know, it's, you, you could believe in anything else, just not God. And then they win. Say, and that goes into like, again, what we were talking about too, with the book of Enoch, with the whole, like, you know, fallen angels saying that I'm God kind of a concept. Yeah. So it fits perfectly in with that too. Yeah, man. That's what sparked my interest so much in the Bible lately is just all these different connections into other things that I've been looking into where right. I've never necessarily been uh, like a very religious person, but I've also just been very interested in a lot of these different stories um, just because there's so much stuff that just connects to things that you would never would have thought connected into you know, like we were just talking about, like cryptids and all that kind of kind of stuff mentioned uh, within the Bible, yeah. even the whole concept of giants and where they came from and why there's no giants left now. Yeah, it's it's all connected, bro. Oh, every bit of it. <laughs> See, I'm always surprised again, like I said about the about the Great Flood and how many references there are to it, and a lot of people still don't want to believe in that, even if you're not like a biblical oh, person. Yeah. Like, there's still you know, like the water erosion on the bottom of the Sphinx, for example. Right. And every culture has a, a flood story. Like every, every culture has some kind of flood story, you know, but, even looking into Atlantis, they talk about there being, was it seven or eight great cataclysms? And yep. they're referring to the flood also, even from the Atlantis stories. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, it's, it's harder to believe that there's not than, than that there is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like science is less and less impressive to me the older i get and the more i get into this stuff um a few hundred years ago they thought that you know not even a few hundred years ago uh, 150 years ago that they could put leeches on your body and suck out diseases (laughs) you know what i mean it's like i don't know how you feel about the earth being flat around but that was a hot topic until like you don't know 100 years ago uh it's still a hot topic in this community like yeah yeah this, the this nail part, over it. yeah man i i i had a, a flat earth you, have you heard david weiss uh yeah yeah he's like mr flat earth yeah i had him on my show you know trying trying his best to convince me i, I left confused <laughs> you know what i mean dude there, there's a lot of biblical uh aspects that go both ways too so that's also oh, yeah. kind of confusing even if you're looking at it from like a biblical standpoint or even just right. how many references there are to uh, uh the fir- firmament that yep. you know that's where the water came from for the great flood and also from below the surface which fits into the whole hollow earth theory already within the bible too yep 
it's, it's all in there man <laughs> the more you read it, it's just like it's awesome uh but yeah man that's why i don't i don't put a whole lot of stock into modern science that it it makes me kind of fringe it makes me uh, automatically a bad guy in some camps but i don't know i just i'm leaning like more on faith and it is the science is a religion yeah it is it, whatever you put your faith in right Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not doing the experiments. You're just trusting that somebody else's information is correct, even if you're following science. Exactly. It's it all where, comes down where you to put your faith. Yep. People have to make their own decisions. That's what it all comes down to, based on the evidence that you have personally. And it's always okay to change your mind with, when you have more information given. Yes, and hopefully you will. Hopefully people will change their mind if they're if they're presented with information. You know, don't don't be too prideful and you know get on your your high horse if, if you're wrong you're wrong i i just learned a couple months ago that the mason dixon line doesn't run where i thought it did across the united states and my whole my like everything i thought i knew as a kid was destroyed you know because i thought that was like west virginia's southern border was the mason dixon line that's what we were taught and no it's just like this little you know teeny tiny part of our border across the top i know this is menial information but it's something that you believe with all your heart and then you mm-hmm. find out 100% you're wrong, you know, and here's the books to show you from like the 50s uh, and the books from today. So say the same thing. This, here's the information when the Mason-Dixon line was formed, you know, after the Civil War. And yeah, I was wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you have to admit it. You, know, you have to be able to admit when you're wrong, what I'm getting at. So we have a lot of leeway, at least as far as like uh, conspiracy type podcasts go, where, you know, we can state some stuff that we believe is fact. But when we have to pull back our information, you know, people are aren't as picky as other forms of, you know, creating theories, you know? Yeah. 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 In the world of conspiracy, I can be wrong a hundred times. I just have to be right <laughs> once. <laughs> you know what I'm like? Aha. <laughs> That's what makes the difference. And then people think you're some kind of like fortune teller or something. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else is going to happen? I've been entertaining the theory a lot lately too that uh like I've always been kind of uh I'd say more of like a spiritual person at least from like my perspective on things in life but I've been entertaining the idea lately that you know all these different religions could also possibly be different perspectives of the same thing that this yeah. universal consciousness could be the same thing as God which could be the same thing as these other different entities that are in other religions and it's all just a matter of different people from different perspectives because people have different words for things even going across different languages so you know we're looking at this god is this name this god is this name this god is this name but if you break it down it could all be the same god with three different names from three different languages <laughs> I, I hope that's the case i hope everybody's you know after the same god and just don't realize it you know we feel pretty silly when we get to the end you know yeah, that would put a lot of fact though behind it too is if a lot of people were realized that it's everybody's been talking about the same person this whole time think about how many wars that would end between people of course too <laughs> could have avoided yeah could have avoided a lot of problems <laughs> i guess uh since we're starting to get to the end here a little bit um one thing i always like to do uh from any of my guests to the listeners is what's some words of wisdom that you would you would like to tell people oh wow uh read you know, read for yourself. Uh, anything. Do you, do your own homework, no matter what the topic is. Um, slow down. Put your phone away. Pick up a book. Uh, words of wisdom. For me, it would be 
you know, go to church, <laughs> you know, <laughs> find a relationship with Jesus. That would be my, my words of wisdom. Uh, I've done a lot of soul searching. Uh, like I said, the 15 years or so that I was not, you know, a good faithful Christian man, uh, I checked out a lot of stuff, man. I got into yoga. I got into, um, Buddhism. Um, I had the Bhagavad Gita over here and I was, I was all about, you know, reincarnation and stuff. And I'm still kind of, still kind of playing with reincarnation, but, uh, read, do your research, do your soul searching, um, try talking to God. And, uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're battling something that feels like it's evil, if it's a poltergeist in your home, if it's, um, something demonic, it just feels wrong. If it's an alien abduction. Okay. If, if, if this is the genre of people we're talking to, this is our niche little group. Um, try using the name of Jesus to get rid of it and see what happens. It'll work. Even if you don't really believe whatever you're talking to knows him and they believe. So that works. Um, I've had too many people tell me about it. Um, atheists tell me about it. Hardened believers tell me about it. So there's power in the name. That's what I was going to say. I'm a firm believer in the fact that uh, there's a lot of power behind language and there was a lot more power back in the day and it's been diluted out now. But I'm sure that's one of those words that even if you're not religious, it has, it's a power word. It's the best way to describe it. it. it it's a power word. And there, there's, uh, there's life and death in the tongue, they say. So be careful what you say. Don't, don't say bad words. Don't, don't claim negative things. You know, don't talk about your arthritis. Don't talk about your depression. Don't talk about your anxiety. Uh, it's okay to have a therapist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't own it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of like bringing curses on yourself. It'll manifest if you, if you make it manifest itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It will talk about how blessed you are. Talk about what a good day it is. Talk about how lucky and how fortunate you are. Don't claim the bad. So even if it's a, even if it's a bad day, you know, everybody's happy to have another day on this planet. That's right. Or this plane, whatever you choose to call it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, for me, if it's a bad day, thank God I'm alive. You know, thank God I got, I got air in my lungs. I can see people. I can, I can hug somebody. I can get hugged back. You know, that, that's always a blessing. You know, that's always a good thing. Saying so, all those negative days too would just make the positive days that much better, of course, because you have to have a low point in order to have a high point. Otherwise, everything is just neutral in the middle. That's right. That's right. So we got to welcome the negative experiences, but just don't, don't give them power, man. Say in the, in the, in the spirit of entertaining strange philosophies and ideas, I uh, wanted to share this idea with you that I've been kind of thinking lately, connecting mm -hmm. just different dots between different things. So, um, you know how a lot of people when they have near death experiences or they pass away and they, re they bring them back, how they claim that they see darkness. Mm-hmm. So within that darkness that they're claiming, a lot of people like still feel a sense of themselves or their consciousness within that darkness, right? So going off of like the beginning of the Bible, where it talks about how there was darkness, and then that's where everything was able to be created from. I've been kind of entertaining this weird theory. Like I said, I don't know how much fact is behind it. It's just kind of something I've been kind of tearing apart in my head. Right. That, uh, it kind of plays into the whole theory of multi-dimensions too, that if that's the case and you pass away and you're still some kind of consciousness inside of a dark void, um, if you found a way in order to create within that universe, 
would that almost kind of be possibly where like an origin of the Bible could have came from, where God could have theoretically came from another universe. And then when he passed, he figured out how to create within this dark void universe and created a whole other universe. And then that could stem into a bunch of different, these, of these multi-dimensions that we, all, we believe in according to science too. And that would give you the multiverse, man. <laughs> That's pretty deep stuff, man. <laughs> That's pretty deep. Uh, yeah, you're right. He, there was nothing here, right? The earth is void. And if that's what you see when you're on the verge of death, who knows? You know, maybe you're getting to see the void. I don't know. Uh, see, we'll that's always kind of my there. thing is the strange philosophy. And I always hit people with it and they're like, don't know what to think exactly. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's cool. That's all right. You can just keep thinking. That's, that's the beautiful part of you, man. I, I, you're a thinker. And that, I, I love that. And you're not afraid to talk about it. So that's, that's even better. Hey, that's what podcasts have been for me is my means of venting. Because I think of a lot of weird theories and I never really had normal people in my normal everyday life that would want to listen to these theories. Or right. even just like, if I said that to somebody who's very religious, they might take that in an offensive way, even though I don't mean that in an offensive way. So like right. this community kind of opened up the opportunity to be able to say things like that and have people understand that I'm not asking from an offensive standpoint. I'm just asking for more of a philosophy, curious kind of standpoint. Yeah, man, I love it. And you know, if somebody that claims to be religious gets offended by that, they're not very strong in their religion. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you're not trying to to disrespect anybody. I didn't take that disrespectfully. I you're just posing a theory. You know what? What does it hurt to talk? You know. Say so that was our. Uh, that's the, we're the only thing that we know of for sure on this planet or plane. Uh, that has the ability to think of deep concepts like that. So it's like, why would you not want to take advantage of having that ability? Exactly. Exactly. Have fun with it, man. Think, ask questions. What's the hurt? Exactly. And then you won't ever find your answers unless you're able to express those ideas to other people because they might even be able to shine light onto a different part of that theory that you didn't actually see a perspective on yet. There you go. There you go. I love it. But I guess to uh, wrap it up here, for anybody that enjoyed listening to this conversation, uh, where, where are people coming to find you at? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find the Bump Podcast. If you uh, get into YouTube, I have a bunch of videos on YouTube also under the Bump Podcast. Uh, I have a TikTok account that I don't really keep up with because I'm in my 40s and I feel goofy getting on TikTok sometimes. But it's on there. Uh, I'm 28 I and I feel weird getting on TikTok, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I know. If my students are on it, I usually don't get on it that much. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, everywhere on social media, Instagram, I'm on Instagram every single day. Uh, most of like where I'm going to be at if I set up for conventions or something like that, or if, I, if I'm going to be on certain shows, I try to give a little heads up on Instagram and just keep people included on Facebook too. But yeah, man, you can find me everywhere. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show and I really hope that we can do this again and bounce some more ideas off of each other. Absolutely. I would love that. And I would love it if you come on my show sometime. I'd, I'd like to have you on, man. Oh, dude, I'd love to. And I actually do have some experiences myself with uh, astral projection and uh, shadow people. So I would actually have some awesome encounter stories for you too. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. As soon as we hang up, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a message. We'll, we'll line up another interview. Sounds great. And uh, to all the listeners, you'll have to look out for that one. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. 
as much as I did, and I'm hoping that he did also. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I did. So everybody out there, have a great night. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.